Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to Apparently Speaking, your podcast for all things parenting. Is parenting boys much different from parenting girls? What are some of the differences in things parents of boys should be aware of? My guest today is going to answer those questions and much more. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. On this episode, I'll be talking with expert on the topic of raising boys, Dr. Rob Curry. Dr. Curry is an award-winning author and has given over 50 presentations to parenting groups. In addition to raising two sons, he's coached boys basketball, led a neighborhood boys club, worked in preschools in Detroit, St. Louis, and Chicago. Welcome, Dr. Curry, and thank you for joining me. Hello, Miriam. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on your show today. Yeah, I'm very glad to have you. I think this is a great topic and you've kind of, you know, you're kind of the expert on raising boys. And, and I think it's super interesting because, you know, we could definitely do a show on, you know, raising girls, but today we're talking about raising boys and, and there are a lot of differences. And as I was reading through some of your material, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I have girls and one son, but it was like, of course there are differences, but you know, what are they? And you're going to give us some tips on, you know, you can't parent them exactly the same because of those differences. So you're going to give parents a lot of, of, uh, interesting and good information and tips. So first thing is, uh, what's your background and, and what's your interest? Why did you have this interest on, you know, kind of becoming this expert on raising boys? Part of it comes from raising two sons. I never had a daughter. And I think girls and women are awesome, obviously, but having raised two sons and our backyard when our boys were growing up, that was the hangout spot for all the neighborhood boys. So we'd have half a dozen, maybe eight boys in the backyard playing tag, various running games around the house. So it wasn't just, oh, this is my experience with my two kids, but it was experience with a variety of kids. Also, I've been teaching child and adolescent psychology for over 20 years. So I have students tell me stories, not just 18 to 21 year olds. I teach older adults too, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and and 50s. And so I've been privileged to hear the experiences of a wide variety of people. I also find that honestly, the people who buy parenting books and who listen to podcasts are more moms than dads. Dads are awesome, but moms are more often the initiator. And I thought, you know, I think women, feel rightly that they have kind of a handle on what motivates girls. But I've discovered that there's a deep hunger for understanding their sons because it's a little bit different. They didn't grow up as a boy and they really want to know more. And I'm glad to share that with them today. I love that. And I think you're so right because like you said, I think it's just kind of a little more, comes a little more naturally maybe for raising girls for not for all moms, but you know, for a lot of moms, like you said, because we can relate, you know, yes, we went through that. That's how we felt and things like that. But for boys, it can be a little bit different. And for some moms, it may become, maybe it comes, you know, pretty easy, but for a lot, it it may not. And like you said, I I know for myself, there is that deep understanding. I want to have that close and deep connection with my son. He just turned 14 and, and, you know, there, I think we do have a great relationship, but of course, you know, there's always room for improvement. And one of the things we're going to talk about later, I I won't give it, I won't get into it now, but is where I kind of struggle with a little bit. And I'll talk about that when we get to it, but you're right. I think it's really important. And and I do agree with you. Like the moms are probably a little bit more listening and and reading and, and trying to really have that 
connection that doesn't maybe come naturally. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing. So how would you say boys are different? What would you say would be the main thing or things? So I'll, I'll answer in just a moment. I want to read you something that I wrote that I hope will touch okay. the heart of the listeners. It's, it's brief. It's, it's a poem. What is a boy? A boy is someone who thinks it's more important to know if an activity is fun than if it's safe. He enjoys almost anything if it's funny or fast. As years pass, he goes from not wanting to release your hand to insisting you let go of his. You wonder where boys get all their energy. You suspect they're the reason God created guardian angels, and you pray you have the wisdom to guide him to manhood. Look in his pocket, and you'll discover a surprise. Look in his eyes, and you'll see a twinkle. Look in his heart, and you'll find the hope that you'll understand him and the fear that you won't. He'll drive you crazy with his choices and melt your heart with his smile. He'll scare you, thrill you, and charm you all on the same day. He'll turn your world upside down, your heart inside out, and you can't imagine your life without him. He's your son. Well, thanks for not warning me about that. Um, <laughs> I don't get choked up very easily, but that yeah. did it. That that was that was really really beautiful and so spot on. And as you were reading it, all I could see was my son's face, and I'm just oh. like. You know, I'm choked up, but I was laughing about, you know, the things that you're saying too inside, like, yep, yep, yep. That was, that was, I'm going to have to get a copy of that. That was really great. I'm glad, really to glad you that. shared that. Thank you. So I choke up every time I read it too. But to answer your question, one of the big differences between boys and girls is aggression. Now, there are different types of aggression. There's relational aggression and physical aggression. And relational aggression will surprise some people to see that boys and girls are pretty similar. We have this idea of mean girls, that girls are much more relationally aggressive. Not necessarily. There's not a huge difference in that. The difference comes in physical aggression, which probably doesn't surprise anyone that's ever raised a boy and spent time with a boy. I want to ex describe a, an experiment that was kind of interesting and kind of funny. So picture a table with three boys standing behind it, and then another table with three girls standing behind it. On the table are three blank pieces of paper and three crayons. So there are three kids, three papers, three crayons, so each of them can draw. The twist is two of the crayons are white. One crayon is orange for the boys and the girls. So naturally, all three kids want the orange crayon. They wanted to see what the kids would do. The girls would call, the whichever girl got the orange crayon, the other girls would call her names and do things to make her cry so she would give up the crayon. The boys would hit and kick the boy with the orange crayon to make him give it up. An author by the name of John Santrock, who wrote a book called Childhood, said that this difference in physical aggression, quote, occurs in all cultures and appears very early. It goes back to things that happen in the womb with prenatal exposure to testosterone and so on. And so one of the things I like to challenge parents about is if your goal is to get your son to stop being aggressive, you are going to frustrate yourself and you're going to frustrate him. To get a, an image of masculinity, I invite the parents to think of a hammer. Your son is a hammer. And the, because we love our sons, the first thing we go for is the fear response. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's going to hurt somebody. We think of violence, males that commit violence, and we don't want our sons to turn into that. But I would remind those fearful parents, and I can be a fearful parent sometimes too, hammers can break things, but they can build things too. 
they can repair things. The, the way to raise a son who's a hammer is not to tell him, don't be a hammer, you're going to hurt something or somebody. Just listen, just sit there and don't do anything. Is that what the world needs? Look at the problems in our society. We need boys and girls to be scientists and doctors and lawyers and world changers and peacemakers. And so you don't tell your child not to use a hammer. You teach them when and where and how to use a hammer. Yes, you can hurt yourself. I've hit my thumb with a hammer plenty of times. But we can also build things and repair things. And uh, there, are, there are ways to do that, which I think we'll get into in just a minute or so. Yeah, definitely. I And that's... I love what you're saying. I love all of it. I'm, I'm sitting here going, oh gosh, I have to talk. I'm, I'm getting so drawn into what you're saying. Um, so that's great. And it's, it's, I'm already inspired, you know, thinking of my son in, in different ways. So I, I appreciate it. Right. And so there is kind of that natural aggression with most boys. And like you said, it doesn't mean it's bad. And there, there are ways, you know, to maybe use it for good, so to speak. So, so what do you think? How can somebody, if, if a parent's listening, say a mom, and she's like, I feel like my kid is just so aggressive. And, and and I'm not sure what to do. Sure. So the researchers distinguish between angry aggression, which is when you're trying to hurt somebody, and uh, rough and tumble play. So my boys love to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And it always made me nervous. And so what I did was, okay, you guys can wrestle, but I have to be watching. Because, you know, sometimes something would get out of hand. Number one didn't mean to hurt, didn't mean to hurt number two, but you know, and then temper flare or whatever. But uh, if we understand that aggression is part of who they are, and that there's an upside as well as a downside, I think that'll go a long way. Let me give you an example of the upside of aggression. Both my boys played sports. Not all boys play sports, but mine did. My older son is six four and about two hundred twenty five pounds, very muscular. After a basketball game, he showered and he comes out. And for some reason, a man is talking to my son's coach's wife. He's standing too close to her. He's got an angry expression on his, fa- on his face. And the coach's wife is not a, not a large woman. So this guy is, looks like he's intimidating her. So my son rears himself up to his full 6'4". <laughs> Pushes his shoulders back, and knowing him probably deep in his voice a little bit, he he w- walked over to these two people and he said, "Sir, is there a problem here?" And the <laughs> other guy got flustered and backed away and left. He was in that hammer in that moment. He was being a hammer. He didn't yeah. threaten a man verbally or physically, but, but he, he fixed it. Presence known. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for finishing yeah. the metaphor for me. And the coach's <laughs> wife was very grateful. Yeah, if he walked over and say. Listen, you idiot, I'm going to, no, that would be inappropriate use of the hammer. But I mean, metaphorically speaking, he, he, he revealed the hammer on his tool belt. That was all that was necessary. And so that, that was the the right sort of thing. Um, Let me give you some positive examples. I did this talk to an audience and I got, I heard from a mom, his, her son hates to take the antibiotic medicine. And I thought all kids' medicine tastes good by now, not like when I was a kid, but I guess this tasted nasty. And he hates to take it. Well, she had heard my talk about boys being aggressive. She said, Jimmy, or whatever her son's name was, you have to understand this medicine is like bombs. And it goes in and it's blowing up the germs. And after she told him that, 
he would not only take the medicine, he would remind her when it was time. And he would jump around and say, Mom, Mom, I'm making the bombs go off. So if you understand what motivates your son, you can use it. You can use this understanding. Let me give you another example for like an older boy. How could you use the image of a hammer to motivate your son to do something positive? So let's imagine, I'll use you as an example, Miriam. So uh, your son uh, is a teenager. And um, let's say that, un unfortunately, a neighbor of yours, a very nice lady, we'll call her Mrs. Jablonski, her husband passed away. And she's just got so much going on, and your heart reaches out to her. You want to encourage her. I probably wouldn't say to my son, you know, I feel really bad for Mrs. Jablonski, which I do. I might say something like this. You know what? It's autumn. Did you notice how many leaves were on Mrs. Jablonski's yard? Well, you know, her husband passed away. I think that really stinks. I'm a person of faith, so I'd bring in God and so on. But a person who's not that orientation might say, man, life is really pushing her around. Really, It's kicking her when she's down. I am not okay with that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get some rakes. We're going to go over there without knocking on the door. We're just going to clean off her yard because I'm not going to stand where someone else gets pushed around. <laughs> That's encouraging the positive side of aggression in your, in your, in your son. Hmm. I like that rather than even like kind of making them try to feel guilty. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you, you should, you should do that because you know, this poor lady and don't you feel bad and you have it better, you know, th that kind of thing, which might be yep. well-meaning what I'm trying yep. to think, like I might say, you know, yes. like, well, don't you feel sorry for her? You should try mm -hmm. to help. And that's mm -hmm. the right thing to do. And that's well-meaning mm -hmm. on my part, but maybe a little bit more motivating. I can see what you're saying, kind of get them pumped up a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, um, and want to help in that way. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Another, another way to tie in, to tap into this uh, aggression. Uh, parents need to understand that aggression is a, is a broad channel. It's a broad band. And, and boys send lots of different messages this way. Some of them are wrong and hurtful. Some of them, I hate you and I'm going to hurt you right now. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. That needs some, that needs some work. You know, what happened? Let's work it through and more peaceful means and so on. But there are a lot of positive messages. Uh, one of the messages that's sent through aggression by boys is liking. Now, we we may be used to somebody punching someone else because they don't like them, but playful aggression, so like rough and tumble play. So when boys, young boys get together with their friends, they like to wrestle. And there's no hard, no hard feelings. I remember one time it got a little out of control for me. I was walking home from school with my best friend and my cousin was was nearby my cousin is four years older than i and i like my cousin but my friend and i thought it would be great fun to wrestle with him so here we are two boys wrestling with my older cousin and somebody else some stranger's front yard and <laughs> bless his heart my cousin just wanted to be left alone one of us would tackle him he would shed that person and the other buddy would tackle him and but it was no hard feelings on our part we were having a great time one of my favorite memories from childhood was playing a game with my dad called Getting the Bear. I was just old enough to remember, maybe four or five years old, my dad would wake up on a Saturday morning, he hadn't shaved, and he would wrestle all three of us kids at the same time. <laughs> it was referred to as wrestling with a bear. What was it really? It was an awful lot of hugging. Well, why can't you just call it hugging? You know what? Because I was the boy. 
And you don't call it hugging always. You give it a different name, but you know, you do what you do what works. When my son was a preschooler, we did a variation of that. We discovered that having an extra set of couch cushions was a great rough and tumble toy. You can stack them up, you can knock them over, you can fall on them. They're not going to hurt him. He's not going to destroy them. And we would play these games, and it sounds hokey now, but we loved it. Uh, I would uh, pile the cushions up on my chest and pretend they're boulders. It's a, they weighed like a pound and a half, right? I was like, <laughs> help, daddy's getting crushed. He'd come flying over and knock them off me. And then I'd stack them on him and say, I'd talk to the cushions. You can't hurt my special boy. Uh, men and boys do a lot of indirect expression of affection. They may not always yeah. get the, I love you, mommy, with all my heart. Here's a, another example with um, indirect expression. So a teenager, a friend of mine who used to teach at Judson, she goes to a restaurant. She got some bad food. She got food poisoning. She was very sick. She, she got over it. When her teenage son found out, he grabbed the phone. He called the restaurant and he bawled him out for making his mom sick. She's telling me the story with a smile on his face. And I said to her, he was telling you that he loved you. And she yeah, was tears in her eyes. But we have to do a little translating with men because we're often indirect with how we communicate our affection for other people. Right, right. I love it. And and I have read some research that you're talking about the wrestling and all that, that that, that is good for boys, you know, to wrestle with their dad or mom, parent, you know, that that that, that is really actually has been shown um, I can't remember where I read it, but that, that it's, that it is good for them and healthy. And, um, you know, that's what my son and, and my girls too, they always would wrestle with my husband and, um, mm-hmm. they love to, you know, ambush him is what they would call it. So they would go down the basement and then they would make this plan, you know, and one would pretend, you know, dad, we need you down here quick. So they pretend uh-huh. something happened or whatever. And, yeah, and he knew, yeah. you know, so he'd walk down the stairs and then they would, you know, they'd yell ambush and they would attack him and, you know, oh, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> That sort of rough and tumble play is great because it teaches yeah. kids the limits. Like in the case of your kids, if I grab dad like this, it's fun. It's appropriate. I can get a good grip. It doesn't hurt him and I don't lose control of my temper. But if I do this, yeah. then oh, if I hit him in the face, even accidentally, that's that's not good. And so we have to learn by by doing a, like, like a baby babbles to learn how to control their, their vocal mechanism of uh, boys. And, and to some extent, girls need to rough and tumble play to say, oh, I can do this, but but not that. And it's a trial and error thing. You're right. You're right. And I remember, you know, my husband would always tell my son, you know, don't do this kind of, don't do this because he would wrestle with his friends too. You know, don't do this with your yeah. friends. It's okay to do this, but don't do this because I'm much yeah. bigger and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So he would, right. you know, teach him kind of, you, you can't do this because that would hurt yeah. them and, you know, and stuff like that. He's yeah. teaching them how to use a hammer. My grandson's yeah, kind of yeah. And he's exactly. five. I want to so start teaching. How to use a, I want to start teaching yeah. how to use a literal hammer. We'll yeah. So let them game. have that kind of aggression, so to speak, if it's a positive mm-hmm. way. Let them wrestle. Let them be rough and tumble. If that's how, who they are, just find ways that they can do it safely and use it as a as a teaching opportunity. Also. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. There's another uh, kind of big difference that I, w- I want to talk about with you uh, too when we come back. So we'll be right back. So if I can give you a tease, after the break, I will explain how to connect with your sons more than you thought possible. All right. Oh, that's, that is a tease. I'm looking forward to that. All right. We'll be right back. 
Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. All right, we are back talking with Dr. Rob Curry about raising boys. We talked a lot about, you know, the difference in raising boys in the aggression part of it. You gave us a little tease before the break on how we can connect with our boys. So I definitely want to hear what that is. Sure, sure, sure. So I want to give your audience three verbal pictures. The first one was a hammer, and we talked a lot about that. The next one I want to talk about is verbal communication because uh, – Parents often communicate differently than their kids, particularly moms with their sons. The research indicates uh, comparing uh, males and females. Uh, women spend, when they have a phone conversation, the phone conversation lasts longer and there's more emotion expressed. When two women get together, there's more what psychologists call co-rumination. I talk about something that's happening to me and you go, oh, that must've been terrible or that was great. That's called co-rumination. Boys do less of that. And so when you, it's helpful to know that the word picture for communication for, from a boy is a pencil. These days, a pencil compared to a cell phone or a computer is a very simple form of communication. But you know what? The battery never goes out. It, you don't have to pay a monthly service fee. Simple can be good. I was driving my son to a basketball game and, uh, I'm sure you discover you, you learn things about your kids. Like they forget where we have ears. You're driving in their front seat and they're laying out all this good stuff about their lives. And you're just listening and acting like you're not noticing. And his, uh, his uh, friend, who was a young woman, not a girlfriend, but a girl friend said, you know what? Don't get me wrong. I love my female, my female friends, but guys are so much easier because there isn't as much drama. Uh-huh. The girls are wonderful and awesome. But since we're talking about boys, simple forms of, of, of communication. And so if someone has 50 cents in their pocket and you say, Hey, I need some money. I don't have a lunch. And they give you 40 cents. You could be like, really? What can I get for 40 cents? <laughs> and later on you realize, Oh, he only had 50 and he gave me 40. Then you go, Oh, Oh, uh, in marriages, this is a, a challenge. Sometimes the husband gets home from work. The wife gets home from work. He says, how was your day? She says, how was your day to him? And she wants him to say more than he's initially going to offer. There's that that gender difference. And that can happen with parents, particularly moms and sons. And so I have a couple of suggestions for that. The first one is to don't freak out at anything he tells you, Mm -hmm. which is really hard. But of course, if you freak out, what's going to happen next time he'll choose not to Right. Another suggestion is research shows that men and women have different conversation patterns. Women tend to do more face-to-face. Men tend to do, and boys, more shoulder-to-shoulder. And so face-to-face is, is uh, uh, Miriam, you call your best friend and say, oh, listen, oh, I want to hear all about your new job, blah, 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 blah. You go out for coffee and you sit and you're talking a mile a minute. And it's awesome. And it's wonderful. And I have nothing bad to say about that. And your husband wants to get together with a buddy that he hasn't seen in a while, and they're going to work on a project together. And while they're chopping wood or painting, painting the room, they're talking and, and, and it's deep, but they're not staring into each other's eyes. It's a mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder conversation. So some parents find 
in the car is a good time. Uh, a friend of mine who has teenagers just calls it windshield time. Because okay. when a boy doesn't have to look you in the eye, it decreases the emotional intensity and he can handle it a little better. He may open up a little bit more. A mom told me she could tell when her boys got home from school, something had happened, something was wrong, but she wouldn't say, wait a second, something's wrong and you're not getting up from the table until you tell me <laughs> what no, no, no. say, okay, we got to do our chores now. They'd go outside and rake some leaves. They'd wash the dishes. And it would take a while, but after a while, if she was patient, they would bring it up. And we've, we've found with our kids, with our boys, that this shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder conversation approach has been something that's been really helpful. I also have another tip for you. Uh, sometimes, particularly when they get to be teenagers, they want to be independent. And you know exactly what they should do. But if you say, I think you should do this, it's hard for them to accept. You may have a great relationship, but they want their independence. If they take your advice, then they're doing it your way and it doesn't feel like their way. So this is something I learned. I call it the can opener question. So your son says, uh, mom, I'm doing terrible in my math class. I don't know what to do. And the obvious thing you listen to him and say, well, talk to your teacher. You might want to Almost might want to say, duh, but you wouldn't say that. <laughs> so this is the can opener question. Would you like to hear what's worked for other people in your situation? Don't say, well, when I was your age, this is what I did because mom, I'm not you. I want to be my own person. The person's experience you're drawing on might be you, but don't say that. You say, mm -hmm. I know somebody who had a tough time in a math class or a class and went to the teacher and it worked great. Mm -hmm. And my boys were on the extreme end of independence. I never once had them say, no, I don't want to hear what worked for somebody else. It still gives them a feeling of being in control. That's good because you're not like telling them what to do. You're just saying, hey, I know someone, you know, I heard, like you said, even if it was you or whatever or, or nobody, even if it that's just the advice you want to give them. It's just kind of giving them this. What This is what very casually. This is what worked for somebody that I know. Yes. Yes. I, by backing off on the control a little bit, you'll actually have more influence. Yeah, I like that. And I like a couple of things you said, you know, don't freak out when they tell you something, even if you want to inside or need to later, but just, you know, try to be casual, to be cool when they tell you something and just talk about it. And I like that shoulder to shoulder and just the whole communication thing. You know, we joke because my girls are so verbal, mm -hmm. um, which you you know, hard to imagine, but they are very verbal. They talk through everything. I know everything. Yeah. And they just, yeah. you, you they come home and I, I know everything that happened, you know, with everybody and everything like that throughout the yeah, day. Yeah. And my son is just not that way, but he will in his time, you know, like yeah. you said, he, he comes in yeah. and I'm like, and I want to say like, how was practice? How was school? Good. Yeah. You know, kind of joke. Yeah. I, I would joke with him and I'll say like, let me guess. Good. You know, before he says it and he laughs, yeah, but yeah, yeah, he, yeah. and it, there's not a lot of information right then, but later, or sometimes when uh -huh. we're eating dinner, a funny story will come out or he'll uh -huh. tell me something later. And a lot of times at night, you know, I'll kind of like lie down with them just to say good night for a few minutes. And, and then he'll start to talk more. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that's that shoulder to shoulder. Um, yep. like you said, and it's a wise parent that can look for an opening and it's hard not to be frustrated. Doggone it. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. I'm not yeah. conducting an FBI investigation. I just want to know how your day was. <laughs> That's reasonable. Right. But like one mom found that at, at nighttime, her son loved a back rub and that's yeah. when he would open up. And so yeah. she went with that. 
And mm -hmm. being a wise parent that can look for openings and recognize sometimes I'm more willing to talk than others. That's great. I was yeah. nodding as you were talking. I'm sure that's really going to help your listeners, my nodding. <laughs> no, but you're right. And that's true. And it's funny because I was thinking too of him, um, you know, during the whole quarantine time, you know, my daughters, even my young one, you know, they were like FaceTiming friends and having like a Zoom thing with a bunch of friends and mm -hmm. communicating that way. Mm -hmm. And with him, it was like, nothing. And I kept saying like, do you, why don't you call so-and-so? He's like, mom, I'm not doing that. Like that was crazy. Why don't you text so-and-so? Uh, yeah. Mom, no. You know, and then, but I would ask some of his friends' moms and they said, same thing. I told them, you know, mm -hmm. he should call Kobe yeah. or text Kobe, you know? So I was like, well, okay, I guess it's just how they are. He's a pencil. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I like that, you know, just um, find ways, you know, you're saying don't take it personally if they don't mm -hmm. come in the door and want to tell you everything. Mm -hmm. Find ways mm -hmm. to to get that out of them, like the shoulder to shoulder or, or like you said, different times. For me, it's like at night or uh, mm -hmm. just different times when they'll open up. And then maybe I try to, when he does open up and tells me, you know, he tells me things like I try not to act like too, I try to play it cool. Like it's not like, yeah. <laughs> tell me some yeah. more and then what, and then what, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And the other day we were driving and this is funny because it just happened the other day and he said, it was just kind of out of the blue, but obviously it was thinking, and I was so glad, but I was in the front we weren't face to face so it was again mm -hmm. you know kind of that shoulder shoulder and he said yeah. mom I want to tell you something and I'm like okay <laughs> and um it was something that I did or said I can't remember that that kind of bothered him it wasn't a big deal but he said you know you did whatever whatever yeah. and so I just want to tell you you know that kind of bothered me and I was like I wasn't offended or mad I was so thankful that he told me and I just said, you know what, buddy, I am so sorry. I did, I did not realize. And I am so glad I made the biggest deal about him telling me, you know, I was like, I'm yeah. so glad you shared that with me because I wouldn't have known. And so now I can, I know, you know, so I won't do that again. And I'm just, I'm really thankful that you shared that with me. And he was so casual. He wasn't mad. He just told me, but I was really thankful. And I tried to make the most of that, the event of him telling me and sharing his feelings. Good, good stuff. Yeah. So what are there any other main differences that you want to cover? We talked about aggression, communication. Yes. Boys are hammers. They're pencils. The next one is maybe the most difficult, not the most difficult to understand, but the most difficult emotionally. And that is that after puberty, males get aroused sexually more easily and more quickly. And the visual that I have for this is a gas can. When I do workshops, I bring out a big red gas can, your stereotypical gas can. And I was at one workshop where I brought it out and I said, this is a gas can and I have some matches. And I took the cap off the gas can. I pour a little out and a woman in the front row got up and left and went to the back. She was like oh. eight feet away from me. And I lit a match and I dropped it into the bowl that was holding the liquid. Nothing happened. I said, that was apple juice I poured. But I want you to remember, I want you to remember that your sons are gasoline. Now it's scary to think about the ways that that sexuality can go wrong. And to say that uh, young males are reach that point more quickly than young women is a scary thing for parents. But what I want to emphasize is that male sexuality is a positive thing, but we have to teach them 
when and where it's appropriate. A female sexuality is also appropriate. That's another, that's another, another topic. It's equally appropriate and equally a blessing. And here's, here's the way I describe the blessing. There are lots of modern devices that we have that start quickly. Our cars, most of the time, use a fuel <laughs> injection, just a, just a twist of those. The uh, stove, I'm in my living room. The next room over is a kitchen. It's a gas stove. I don't have to light a match. I can just turn it and it starts. A lot of our televisions are always on at a low level so that when you push the button, God forbid we'd have to wait three seconds for it to turn on, right? <laughs> It, it's it's a it's 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 a quick on it's a, it's a quick start, and so after marriage, picture the following scene. I promise you, this will be G-rated. There's a hard time <laughs> life. They've had a good day, and they're talking over small talk. Uh, what do you want to do tomorrow? I thought maybe we'd eat out. Uh, oh, Bob from the grocery store said to say hi, and they're each changing from the day clothes into their pajamas. The uh, husband just happens to look over at his wife at the moment when she's in between sets of clothing and boom, he's suddenly interested. That's like the spark that starts a, a fire. Male sexuality is gasoline. Female sexuality is an oak log. Neither is more important than the other, but they serve opposite and complementary functions. And um, if, if you are a young man, you need to know your gasoline you'll have to take precautions that maybe some women wouldn't have to take as far as what you can watch on media, situations you expose yourself to, stories that you allow yourself to hear where you let your mind go. If you're a parent of a, of a, of a boy, you need to know that your guy is gasoline and you absolutely better have a pretty good idea of what he's got on the internet. You know, your, your family computer should be in a main room where lots of people walk by. It should have filters and safeguards and, and, and protections because he's gasoline. But I don't want parents to live, live in fear out of what could go wrong. Like with the other things, like with the hammer, focus on the upside and the, and the, and the positivity. And God made you gasoline. And I want you to feel good about that because someday that's going to be a huge blessing to you and your wife. Yeah, I love your attitude on all of it, your, the, the positive spin. You know, none of it's negative. You don't have to be scared and live in fear. Just be aware. And and probably before you're at that point, maybe have a, you know, talk about that, have a plan in your mind, have some safeguards. Like you said, talk to your son when he's old enough, you know, and, and let him know this doesn't make you a bad person. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with you. This is how you are. But because of this, we need to, you know, talk about, you know, these things and and kind of have, you know, some understanding of some things like that, you know, before they get to that point. I've given a lot of sports analogies, so I want to give a non-sports one now. So let's say your mm -hmm. son is really good at music. Let's say he's a really good singer. So there would be a lifestyle. You don't just show up and sing awesome. You practice. You have a voice teacher. You eat healthy, you get enough rest, you, you go to a game or a concert the night before you have a concert. You don't scream your voice hoarse. No, you take care of your voice. You've got something awesome going on. That's the reason you're going to take precautions, not because mom and dad have a list of 20 negative things and mom and dad have too many rules. No, no, no. You've got something awesome that's worth protecting.
It's really good. I, I want to thank you so much. Um, this was great. I could listen to you much, much longer. <laughs> and then I'm, I mean that. Um, so many good tips, so many good takeaways, so many good analogies, and just your perspective and the way that you communicate all this. And, and I think, you know, I know it gave me some things to think about at, for my own son and some reminders and some good tips moving forward. So I really, really appreciate everything that you've said and everything that you've done. Um, I know that you have also written a book. So I want to talk about that for a minute. Yes, I'm very excited to offer. I wrote a novel for boys in grades four through eight. It's called Hunger Winter, a World War II novel. The last year of the war, World War II, most people don't know this. The Dutch people were starved by the Germans. They were down to 300 calories a day at the end of the, the war. 300 calories is a box of jello. Most people mm. need 2,000 calories a day. The setup for the story very briefly is this. Dirk's father leaves to fight with the resistance. Then his mother dies. Then his older sister gets kidnapped by the Gestapo, and he gets a middle-of-the-night warning that they're coming for him next. So he has to leave in the middle of the night. He's got his pockets stuffed with food. He's got his little sister sleeping in his arms, and his heart is heavy with a dark secret. He's got to find their father, scrounge for food, and stay a step ahead of the Nazis. You would categorize it as a thriller. I'm getting lots of positive feedback for kids. I'm finding out that girls like it a lot too, but I really did write it for boys. It's called Hunger Winter, a World War II novel. And it's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and any place that sells books, you can get Hunger Winter, a World War II novel. It's been endorsed by right. the Corrie ten Boom Museum, which is a World War II museum in the Netherlands, which made me feel really good. I heard from uh, somebody who's in his 50s, a man, he said it's the first book he's read through all the way since he graduated from college. Wow. Wow. That's great. I'm going to check it out myself. And so, yeah, check that book out. You can find it, like you said, Amazon, everywhere else. Um, I definitely appreciate you being here today. And I think it was great. And just a side note, I was one of those students in your classes many years ago. <laughs> um, so although I don't know, you look exactly the same, by the way. But I mean, I enjoyed being in your class. And I, I did learn a lot just about child development, um, I remember. So I, I thank you for that, too. And thank you so much for being here, Dr. Curry. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Miriam. Thanks a lot. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at NortheastOhioParent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at NortheastOhioParent.com.